See, people, when they click on this, they'll see the title. So they'll be like, poor Ed. What does that even fucking mean? However, because it's England, that's largely ignored and unstudied. I, I really wish for the sake of, of my sense of moral righteousness that I could get away with saying no. He had a goddamned ancestral home and a noble title until Germany became a republic. You know, n none of this highfalutin, you know, uh, critical role stuff. So they chewed through my favorite shit. No, I'm not helping them. I'm going to say that you're getting into another kind of, you know, Mediterranean or psyche archetype kind of thing. Makes sense. Also, trade wins are a thing. Haha, just serious. Like, no, he really has a mat on it. Uh, yeah, we'll go off on a tangent, um, as we keep doing. Like, yeah, I, this is this is yeah. how we fill time. listeners may uh, remember from the end of our last episode uh, when our guest mentioned uh, <laughs> Tears of the Kingdom, I made uh, barely uh, restrained squee noises. Uh, and so that's that's what I have been spending an awful lot of my free time doing uh, over the course of the last week. And um, <clears throat> it has actually affected my my way of looking at the world. Um, if, if I see random objects, like on my drive to and from work on the side of the road, um, I immediately start wondering, you know, what could I, could I make dicks that? out of this? Yeah. I'm not in that crowd, oh. but yeah, I, I, I do, I do start thinking, you know, could I, could I make that into a plow on the front of the car? Like what, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like I need, I need to get these people out of my way. Can I just <laughs> grab that? And yeah. So, um, it's, it's, yeah. So that's, that's what I've been spending my, my free time doing, um, to the detriment of, of lots of other things. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I have going on. How about you, sir? Well, uh, I'm Damien Harmony and I am a Latin and high school history teacher up here in Northern California. And uh, it's funny you say that because I actually have that same reaction anytime I drive by anything that has like piping or or chain link fences or oh, stuff okay. like that because I yeah. play Mech Warrior so much. I'm like, oh, I could blow that shit up, uh, which is probably not a good thing <laughs> to admit on a podcast. No. Uh, luckily, like the dozen listeners that we have won't uh, turn us in. Um, yeah. But no, I, I actually was watching the Muppet show with my children tonight. Um, mm. because I love okay. the Muppets and I remember, yeah. and my daughter, as you know, loves D and D and we're listening yeah. to the song and I turned to her, I said, this could be the invocation for calling an elder God. 
And she said, what do you mean? I said, it's time to play the music. Time to. Time to light yeah. the lights. I mean, that's candles, honey. That's, And it's time to lift the veil upon the elder god tonight. And then, and she and I looked at each other. I'm like, tomorrow, we're started. making a warlock subclass of Muppet kind. Um, <laughs> oh. So she went to bed and she's already written up the Pantheon and all nice. this. She's like, what nice. about Waldorf and Statler? I'm like, they're a pair of gods. They never appear alone. And they're Castor and Pollux. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. And so uh, she's, she's hopefully fallen asleep by this point. Cause it's late. Um, yeah. But either way we're we are, we are setting that shit up because I have also begun playing the college of the idiot. We finally get to level three <laughs> and the DM let us, let me use the uh, the home class that Julia has made. Oh my God! Yes, so I'll 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 report. You back get on to that. be Steve Martin in D anD I'm gonna use that. That's uh, oh my God! Brilliant. The next time I introduce my uh, my party, I'll be like, "Here's yeah. two wild and crazy guys. crazy guys." Yeah, there you are. So, per- yeah. See, I yeah, mean, come on. Yeah. Oh my That's, God! That is so good. Yeah. So that anyway, is so good. Um, now I uh, I recall saying last time that we would have a guest, and lo and behold, we do have a guest yet again, uh, Mr. Andrew Sutherland, fresh from uh, his first year of his PhD studies. Um, he is still chasing the dream, the very weird dream and sad, <laughs> sad dream that it is, made sadder only the by the heroine. fact that he's talking to two people who will probably always be paid more than him, despite being educated less. Mr. Sutherland, take it away. <laughs> Let me take a moment to like <laughs> reflect on my decisions and then yeah. realize <laughs> that it will be worth it at the end. It will be. Sure. Because I I, I take a pragmatic approach and my hope is my research okay. will be practical and okay. useful. Hi, Good. my name is Andrew Sutherland. I am a first year, just finishing up my first year PhD program. I study media literacy, psychophysiology. And uh, what did I say last time? Media literacy, uh, psychophysiology, culto. and the, the cultic milieu. Thank you. Um, yeah, yeah, which lo- looks a lot at conspiracy theories, but I'm really interested in those who spread it. And oh, I first off, I'm gonna make this point. I love the Muppets. I mm-hmm. recently geeked out because the uh, the Lego is opening up for a vote um a build for the Muppets studio yes and i want it so badly i'm also oh, going to say something sad i never played D, but i absolutely want to and i'm so happy because as one of your dozens of listeners i <laughs> i love the lore around the college of the idiot and i want to and I oh, and I talked to my partner because we both watch uh, various different shows, D and D shows mm-hmm. uh, together. At, we're in a long distance relationship. She lives in Texas at the moment. I live in where I go to school in Washington. Uh, so that's so. What we like to do is watch D and D or other shows together. And we really got pulled into Dimension Twenty when we were together. Okay. And. Uh, we recently finished the most recent season, um, The Never After, and we had a lot of fun with that. Uh, nice. We're trying to decide if we want to watch their new series or if we want to go back to um, one of the older ones, but we both want to eventually try to do D&D together. And now all I'm thinking about is creating a Warlock Muppet. 
Yes. And just be like, and just be like, Eldritch Blast! Ah! Yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> that's going to be uh, uh, an expedited retreat. Yeah. Oh, okay. Expeditious, expeditious <laughs> retreat. Yeah. 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 I love oh, it's it. It's going to be so good. Um, oh my God. Gonzo in full on hooded cowled. Right. You know, I mean, it's someone just, it familiar works. will bring in the chickens. Chickens. Yeah. yeah. It works way yeah. too well. Yeah. It works and, way um, too well. When I cast a spell, I'm just going to go waka waka. Nice. <laughs> nice. Perfect. Perfect. That's oh. your verbal component for literally everything. <laughs> Thanks. Absolutely, literally everything. Oh my god! Yeah. And you'll you'll get you'll get like some monk like abilities if you if you take the uh, the the aspect of the piggy, um, because she has. The oh, there you job. go. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get you get uh, uh, improved unarmed strike for free. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, I like it. Oh, I'm trying to Muppets always have to be LP. I mean, what's the yeah, spell well, where yeah. I can like just summon a feast? Well, oh, heroes. There's a cleric heroes spell, feast. heroes feast. Yeah, but that's that's yeah, divine, yeah. not arcane. I don't know what you'd be able to do with her. But anyway, well, you know, I'm just you, thinking myself. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. become Swedish fish or Swedish, Swedish chef, chef and just yeah. talk like him. The talk like him during the entire campaign. So oh. in our in the yeah. uh, game that I ran for my children, they ran into a smuggler who dealt in magical goods, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And one of the things that they ran into. Uh, and put on and used was the Wheatish Wefwat. Um oh, and no. oh, the Wheatish Wefwat. Oh, yeah. Oh no. And no, my no, son no, really put it on and he made the most delicious food, but it was all the birdie birdie birdie. And <laughs> it, it is still a thing they talk about very fondly. <laughs> was the Wheatish <laughs> Wefwat. I oh I love that. Yes. Bork, love bork, bork. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. that's too funny. I love it. Uh, oh, well, that's so, great. So speaking of Muppets, yes, um, Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um. So yeah. when last we, last we left it, um, the 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 uh, what we were starting, we were leaving off on April twenty fourth, nineteen eighty three. Yes. Hulk Hogan defeated Nick Bockwinkle in the middle of the ring after about sixteen minutes in a fairly one sided Hulk Hogan friendly match. It was a decisive victory, and it was a clear victory. And it was, unfortunately, what we have come to know as the Dusty Finish. Um, The Dusty Finish is something that Dusty Rhodes was famous for booking, and it's where the good guy wins 100%. I brought this up back in episode five of our of our mm-hmm. podcast. Um, Forever ago, yeah. Yeah, and it's where the good guy wins Finally, he wins. Everybody gets what they want, and at the very end, you take it away from him, and on a technicality, and you, you, yeah, yeah. Uh, so what happened was that Hulk Hogan had thrown Nick Bockwinkle over the top rope prior to finishing the match, and then he suplexed him, which back then was called a suple, um, back into the ring for the finish. This means, therefore, that Hulk Hogan was disqualified. Such. Uh, as uh, such a toss over the top rope was illegal. The only time it's legal to throw somebody over the top rope was during a battle royal. That's why they were so dangerous. So the music had played. The crowd had erupted. Hogan had celebrated. And as it turns out, it didn't matter. Hulk Hogan appealed to the crowd, who was then chanting his name, and he kicked Nick Bockwinkle out of the ring. He threw down the belt. 
Mean Gene Okerlund interviewed him afterwards and, and stepped into the ring, and, and Hogan shouted, this is your belt to the crowd. And the AWA was having its hottest period in years due to the Hogan storylines, but also a lot of talented workers who worked with him. So this was a moment, and and I, I think I said it three times in there, he appealed to the crowd directly. He is making yeah. use of that. Yeah. This is kind of getting into, like, in a weird way, populism. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. No, he he's he's creating his persona around the audience. He mm-hmm. he becomes I represent you in a mm-hmm. way. Um, I am your grievances. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, OK. So wait. Eighty three. Eighty three. Eighty three. We're post assassination attempt. Good call. Right. Yep. No. We're post we're post assassination attempt. Reagan is back in the good graces of of the American people because right. you know he took he a was, bullet and survived. He was mm-hmm. deeply unpopular after uh yeah. fucking uh, fucking with the uh the unions uh of uh, yeah. uh yep. the, air control breaking towers. the, the yeah, yeah broke uh air traffic controllers union. That's what it was. After after uh suplexing the air traffic controllers union. Right. Um and then he gets <laughs> shot pulling, pulling a bane on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, and then he gets shot and, and his popularity rallies and all of a sudden there's this, Mm -hmm. yeah. And all of a sudden there is this, this popular, well, and, and part of his, his original campaign had been built around this manufactured Mm -hmm. cowboy populist kind of image. Yes. And so now we have this self-made by which I mean self-manufactured mm-hmm. hero figure mm-hmm. who is, who is now taking that same path of, you know, look at me. I'm, I'm, this is, you know, it's not me. It's you kind of, kind of tactic right. in a self-conscious, uh, mm-hmm. uh, or, or, subconscious mirroring of that now i'm sure he it sounds like hogan or whatever his real last name is i don't remember terry i remember i can remember the first name um it's balea yeah it sounds like yeah yeah terry eugene balea um teb i'll call him teb teb um it 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 sounds to me like you know he he is savvy enough that this isn't this this you know this is your belt that isn't that is that there is an artfulness to that decision to mm-hmm. that that choice oh yeah uh his it, the, the fact that it is mirroring what's going on in the larger political spheres is the part that's unconscious but he is consciously choosing to frame himself in this as you say populist way um and, and don't forget, it's Vern Gagne is... who's booking Please. this, right? Yeah. This is also yeah, yeah. after um, the assassination attempt on uh, good old Iron Pants, uh, Margaret Thatcher, <laughs> and her saying, come at me, bro. This is um, true, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you remember, keep in mind, Hulk Hogan having this interview, This none of this is spontaneous. None of this is a shoot. All of it is a work. It is all kayfabe. This is, <laughs> however... <laughs> This is, I think, where I think Vergan Vergania miscalculated 
because okay you you want to give the audience what they want and then have him get it stolen a little later you want them to mm-hmm. you, you want them to to get to finish at least once before stopping you you want to you want to give them you want you want them to have the moment and yes. be able to hold the moment yes before you then advance the plot line by taking by taking the MacGuffin away right you don't switcheroo the you, you don't screw you can yeah. screw him over a bunch of times but when it's a big blow off like this you make a lot more money going yeah. the other way so okay so that's what he's doing um he's he's getting international bookings from time to time he's selling merch which again is damn near unheard of um it's not much merch but it is merch um like i said and one of the reasons that hogan keeps not getting the belt according to hogan so take it with the salt lick but also according to jim cornette and jim cornette acerbic as he is seems to have a really razor-sharp understanding of what's going on. Now, Jim Cornette is a wrestling historian, only amateurly, though. He he, But he is in, in as much as he lived all of the experiences um, because he was a wrestling manager um, for the vast majority of his career, like probably more than 50 years now. Um, and he has been everywhere and talks about everything, and he gets interviewed quite frequently. I think he's got his own podcast. Um, but according to Cornette and also according to Hogan, that Gagne wanted a bigger cut of Hogan's Japan tour monies. I'm letting you go out there. You're under contract to me, even though you're an independent contractor. And he also wanted more of Hogan's. Oh yeah. Oh, it's incredibly exploitative. Um, And he wanted more of the merch monies. And the part of the Japan problem was that Hogan got booked in Japan with new Japan. And that's with Antonio Inoki. Vern had a relationship with uh, with uh, All Japan, which is run by Giant Baba. And those are two, okay. like, I mean, that's Coke and Pepsi. So okay. Hogan is working with a non-partner to Vern and not wanting to cut uh, him in on it. Uh, yeah. And so Ganya is like, no, fuck you. You don't get the belt. Um, he also, according to Vern and according to Vern's son, um... Greg, um, he didn't think that Hogan was an actual wrestler, a shoot wrestler, uh, a wrestler like Andrew was. And Vern oh, okay. was that. Vern was, I think, on the Olympic team in 48. Um, but I, I know that Vern was nationally recognized as as a wrestler. Um, and so, so, so for him, yeah, sorry, but yeah. so, so part of part of the motivation could have been that he was like, He's no, no, you're, you're not. Okay, yeah, you you don't you don't actually yeah. have the the chops mm-hmm. to be that yeah. guy. Yeah, because okay. back then there was the fear that somebody would go into business for themselves and would take the belt off you when you weren't when it wasn't supposed to happen. To the point where when Ric Flair went overseas, they would send Harley Race to second him so that Harley would step in and stop anything because uh, everyone oh, wow. was afraid of Harley Race. Andre the Giant feared two men. Harley Race was one of them. Really? Yes. Oh. Oh yeah. shit. That that he means would, something. He refused to cross Harley. He also refused to cross a guy who would come to be known as Haku. 
Uh, also, let's see, for you growing up, Andrew, he might have been known as Meng by that time, M-E-N-G. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, but uh, he was also King Haku, Prince Haku, uh, Prince Tonga, King Tonga. Um, but Haku um, is famously the most feared wrestler along with Harley Race. So, um, but yeah, uh, so Ganya refused to put a belt on an attraction. He would only put it on legit shoot wrestlers, which is going to limit mm. the field by quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And, and this yeah. is Ganya getting in the yeah. way of his own money. So, and and at the same time, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's meant to control like various narratives, various yes. storylines, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Um, Hogan goes to Japan shortly after that, and Vince McMahon. Um, also goes over to Japan and cuts a deal with Hogan to come back to the WWF and to be the centerpiece. And this is Vince McMahon Jr., not Senior. Because okay. Senior never oh. would have done that because Senior respected territories. And Junior was like, fuck territories. I'm going to blow those up. <laughs> um, yeah. So he it's goes over to tell anyway. I'm going yeah. to handle it like a mob boss. Fuck right. them. Yeah. Um, and uh, actually... There's a really fun story that Jim Ross tells a lot. I don't know how true it is because it's all wrestling. Um, but the yeah. NWA <laughs> would have an annual meeting. This was a true thing. And uh, Vince McMahon Jr. basically made his pitch to everybody and said, I've bought the controlling interest in my father's uh, territory. I am going to offer each of you a large sum of money. And I would like to expand nationally. We need to do away with the old ways, et cetera, et cetera. And this is my plan. Please come along with me on this. And this has also been verified by Brett Hart that this meeting happened, that this this happened because Brett was there with his father who runs the Stampede Territory up in Calgary, Stu Hart. Um, and Vince says, you know, this is what's going to happen. And uh, essentially, you can either come along and get rich or you can get fucked. And Jim Ross says that he was in the bathroom and uh, sitting on the commode uh, and two of the NWA guys come in and they're pissing next to each other and they talk about killing Vince McMahon. And Jim Ross says that he pulled his legs up so that nobody would see that he was there. This is a Jim Ross story. So I, 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 I don't know. Um, Nobody else was in that bathroom. He's the only one that, that has said this story over and over. Um, Stu Hart apparently told Brett, because Brett Brett has this in his autobiography, that Stu told Brett on the way out, in this, this is going to be a war and Vince is going to win. And Brett said, why? He said, because he has more money. And so yeah. now it's only about how can you make sure that you protect okay. what you've got and keep the integrity uh, okay. of what you've got. And evidently, Stu was one of the very few people that Vince genuinely respected, and he cut him a pretty decent deal in exchange for a whole bunch of talent coming from Calgary, which included Mm -hmm. the Dynamite Kid, Davey Boy Smith, known as the British Bulldogs, Jim Neidhart, uh, Bret Hart, known as the Hart Foundation, Um, Bad News Mm -hmm. Allen, eventually, Uh, Makan Singh, Um, Don Morocco. Like, there were a whole bunch of people who came through Calgary. Yeah. Uh, one of the people who got to start in Calgary was Roddy Piper, but he didn't come via Calgary at that time. Yeah, but yeah, yeah you've got a whole bunch of people. so anyway. Um, so you, yeah. I, I have to, I have to interject this, or it's, mm-hmm. or it's going to get turn turn malignant and and kill me. You, you talk about that meeting, and oh yeah, all I can picture is Vince McMahon in a purple suit <laughs> with yeah, green, very Joker like. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm going to make this pencil disappear. Right. <laughs> like, like yeah. I get, like you talk about that meeting and I get that vibe. Like, the TV's a squealer. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. And, and based reason. on, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. For some reason, I was thinking about that one story you told us a little bit ago or in the last episode where uh, you uh, mentioned one of the wrestlers getting acid thrown on them. I'm wondering which yeah. who was planning to throw acid. Right. Yeah. yeah. It really does feel like somebody just walked into the like the the Legion of Doom, not yeah. Animal yeah. Hawk and Paul Ellering, but like <laughs> the bad guys in DC yeah. and said, This is how yeah. we're gonna do things now. Yeah, oh. pretty much. That's I mean or or like a scene out of any classic gangster movie, like, all right, no look. Right. I understand you've you've been breaking this up this way until now, but right. I'm in town now. You gotta do what I'm gonna tell you to do or you know. I'm gonna like, make an offer you can't refuse. Refuse, right. yeah. You know, I know yeah. where your families fucking live. <laughs> what Andrew, are you gonna do? You had something you were gonna say there. Well, I, I was trying to remember. Like, I, I think it was an old Justice League episode mm-hmm. um, with the animated my two thousands time, but like, this kind of reminds me of like how the League of Villains. Is that their name? Yeah, it's been a while. Legion uh, was formed. Legion of Doom. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I'm dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I can't remember who is the original leader of it in the animated series. But then, like, Lex Luthor comes along is like, I'm gonna buy you all out. I have more <laughs> power and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Lex Luthor Actually. famously became president and sold his company because he had ethics. Oh man, I wish. <laughs> man, that's unheard yeah. of. Yeah, you it's... can't even write. Man, only it can only happen if you write it. Right. Pretty Let's much. Take a moment. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, screaming. Uh, so Hogan uh, is is meeting with Vince McMahon in Japan, and uh, Hogan was big. He was big in AWA. Right. He was very much aggrieved at what had happened. Um, and he had the media exposure that Vince McMahon wanted, and Hogan made a good name for himself the last time he was in WWF. And according to Hogan, again, mm-hmm. uh, he'd come back from his Japan tour and found that Vern had been selling his merch and not cutting him in on it. In fact, by many reports, Hogan suggested that they go 50-50 on both, and Ganya rebuffed him. So on both the the Japan tours and the 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 uh, the, the merch, All right. um, and again this is like the puffy print shirts. They're not. It's not really good merch. It's shit you could get at like a swap meet that says you know I I, I eat pussy. You know like it's not it's not very good merch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now according no. to Greg Gagne, no. yeah, uh, according to Greg Gagne, the son of Vern Gagne. Hulk Hogan came back. So this is where it's, it gets really interesting. Um, according to Greg, Hogan comes back from Japan with a deal in hand from McMahon. So it's not just Hogan telling a story. Greg is telling a story. And Greg's dad is Vern Gagne. Hulk wrote a letter to Vern Gagne quitting. Vern gets a letter on December 21st from Tampa, Florida, 1983. And it said, I'm not coming back, signed Hulk Hogan. Vern Gagne saw it and he said, quote, Tampa, Florida, that damned Eddie Graham. 
he and Eddie used to play ribs on each other all the time. So Vern thought it was a rib and threw it away. End quote. Like, that's what Greg Gagne said happened. No. That's what, shit. That's what Greg oh. is saying. And then Greg Gagne okay, continued. So, yeah, go on. Okay. Well, I, like, I can believe this. Like yeah. this, this is this is a detail. I can, I can like, no, okay, I can see. This Considering happening. the source, so, right? Yeah, carry on. So Greg continues and says, "Quote: So Christmas night comes. St. Paul's sold out. Hogan doesn't show up. I called him on the phone and I said, "Hey, big man, what are you doing? We've got matches down here." And he says, "I'm gonna go with WWF." End quote. This is this is an interview with Greg Gagne. Now, when this happened, Vince McMahon used the fact that he had Hulk Hogan to quickly edge Gagne out of the San Francisco market specifically. This affects me personally because the very first wrestling I ever watched was AWA Wrestling. And after night, uh, and, and I watched it on AWA Wrestling on TV as a young man um, until 1987, uh, which is a damn shame because the Midnight Rockers, Kurt Henning, Big Scott Hall, Playboy Buddy Rose, and Pretty Boy Doug Summers all were amongst my favorites. Now, you might remember Big Scott Hall as Razor Ramon. You might remember mm-hmm. Kurt Henning as Mr. Perfect. You might remember the Midnight Rockers because one of them was Shawn Michaels. The other one is yeah. the cautionary tale of Marty Jannetty. So, and if you ever <laughs> want to get depressed about pro wrestling, go ahead and follow Marty Jannetty's story because at one point oh. he gets, he and a gal get tested to make sure that she's not his illegitimate daughter so that then they can fuck. Uh, oh, it's good times. So also in December of 19... Horrified Catholic noises. Yeah. You don't know where to start there. Um, I... <laughs> wow. Also in December of 83, Hulk Hogan gets married to his first wife, Linda. At the wedding, Vince McMahon Jr., Andre the Giant, Antonio Inoki and Adrian Adonis, all at Hulk Hogan's wedding. No Vern. Okay. Now, from there, legend has it that... Well, yeah. I would imagine not. Right? <laughs> um, oh, man. At, at one I point, I think... he didn't respond to the RSVP. <laughs> I don't know why. He thought it was another rib. I would have loved it if they did, because yes. you know shit would have <laughs> gone down. Oh, yeah. Oh, that oh, would have yeah. been, yeah. And Vern, remember, was a shoot wrestler. Like he was a legit wrestler. Yeah. To the point where <laughs> when he was in his last days at whatever euphemism for death uh home he was in, um, hospice care, um, or or retirement community, he was a danger to everyone around him because he was still attacking people and shoot wrestling on them. He'd injured several of the uh residents there and he had no idea what he was oh, doing. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a really oh, sad shit. story. Yeah. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. So yeah. he literally was like thinking he was in a match and all that jazz. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Now, from there, legend has it that Vern was planning to pay off the dusty finishes and actually give Hogan the belt so that Hogan could then feud with Andre. That's, of course, according to Vern after the fact. I cannot find anything substantive in that statement, however, because Andre was booked in the later part of 83 in the AWA, though. So it is possible. But Vince had locked Andre down from 84 forward. So it is possible that Vern did have that in mind 
but everything else points to he want he he basically was trying to control Hogan much much more. Now Greg even reports this, which is fucking wild. He reports that Vern and Hogan get into an actual fight in in Vern's office. There's so much legend going around though. So, but Vern Vern's son claims it. Hogan claims similar. And according to B. Brian Blair, Vern got so again Brian Blair. Vern got into Hogan's face, tried to do a do, double leg takedown, and Hogan grabbed a front face lock on him, and did to Vern Gagne what he would later do to Richard Belzer a couple of years later. Hogan had wrestled uh, enough and had enough wrestling chops that this is a believable story by the people telling it. So Hogan and Ganya had a bad relationship from that point forward, uh, which leads to the letter, and it leads to the no-show, and it leads to his return under Vincent Kennedy McMahon, who'd bought out his dad. Mm. So that brings us to the WWF in December of 90, 18, 1983. Hulk Hogan is at a televised taping for WWF in St. Louis. And again, again, he's in St. Louis, and yet he's under the WWF because the WWF is starting to buy people out. McMahon is gobbling mm. up all the local stuff. In January, Bob Backlund, who'd come to the WWF from the AWA years prior to become the new champ, he had just lost to the Iron Sheik in December 26, 1983. This makes the Iron Sheik, who had also come from AWA, he makes him the new champ. Uh... Bob Backlund endorses Hogan at this, uh, this at this uh, televised taping, simply saying that he changed his ways and he was a good man now. Quote, you don't have to introduce this man to anybody. Everybody knows the Hulk. Everybody knows the Hulk. He's changed his ways. He's a great man. He's told me he's not going to have Blassie around. End quote. Now, it also might have helped that Hogan had just rescued Bob Backlund from a three-on-one attack by the Wild Samoans, too. Yeah, you know, probably. Yeah. Now, the Wild Samoans, by the way, are the grandfathers and uncles of the current wrestling stable known as the Bloodline. Roman Reigns, Joe and Jay Uso, and Solo. Okay. Um, also tied to that family through marriage and stuff like that is Rocky Maivia, um, also known as uh, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, the only man immune yeah. to Medusa's charms. Um, nice. Yeah. Nice. Well played. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so Blassie is AKA now in the Iron Sheik. Yeah. <laughs> Blassie is now in the Iron Sheik's corner when Hulk Hogan dons the yellow and red to take him on in January for the WWF Heavyweight Championship in Madison Square Garden. Okay, now wait a minute. Hold mm -hmm. on. Okay. Yep. yep. So give me the date on that again. January twenty third, nineteen eighty four. Okay. It is a fateful day. So, America. yeah. So, so Hogan, red and yellow. Yep. Primary colors. Yes. Which, which we have, we have gone over time and time again. Yes. Talking about the eighties and the and the bright primary colors. Um, mm -hmm. and he's he's wearing, um, essentially a speedo, not not. Yeah, he's just got long, the regular, trunks. not long shorts. Right. Yeah, he's got yeah. Um. Because I know earlier photos, like when when you were talking about Super Destroyer, mm -hmm. I tried like I'm like okay, I've I've never seen this part of his career. I want to see what right. the hell this looks like. And he was wearing longer, 
longer yes. trunks, like almost yes. not quite knee length. So now he's in he's in the you know regular size trunks, primary undies. colors, yep, undies, yeah. And um, is this like visually mm-hmm. when he comes out? Is his appearance with again the red and yellow? Is that a departure or was the culture in which he was operating already in the bright primary colors mode at this point? So the standard uh, wrestling attire tended to be red, okay. white, or blue trunks of varying okay. shades. Um, okay. Hogan didn't didn't exclusively don the the mustard and ketchup. Um, he would okay. still wear white trunks from time to time with a red shirt. Okay. Um, okay. It was usually white trunks with a red shirt or the red and the yellow. He ends okay. up settling on the red and the yellow about a year later. Um, finally, just okay. kind of zeroing in on that, and that becomes the iconic uh, outfit thing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, other wrestlers tended to wear also black trunks. Other wrestlers tended okay. to wear the blues, the dark blues, typically. Um, sometimes a powder blue, depending on the wrestler. Um, whites okay. and uh, and kind of like just a crimson red. Um, okay. Those who wore the just the short trunks. The long pants okay. tended to have a little more variety to them um, as as you can because there's more fabric involved. Yeah, because there's more material going on, yeah. But they're still fairly solid colored. Um, a lot of people aren't marketing okay. themselves oh, all that much until Vince McMahon really okay. gets things behind Hogan and keeps going. So he's a harbinger okay. of it and things develop okay. behind in his wake. So he's he's kind of a leading indicator. Yes. Yes. Okay. That was that was what I was trying to get at. All right. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Sure. Now after his six minute match in which he becomes the champion, Gorilla Monsoon announces out loud, Hulkamania is here. Now the match itself, Hogan attacks there it Aaron. Is. Yep. Yep. Now remember, he had mentioned Hulkamania in yep. in the Johnny Carson thing, but now it's being picked up and run with by the announcers on a televised yeah, national. And this was sh- this match was shown fucking at all the different arenas. They would show the match and then have wrestling. Were you going to say something, mm-hmm. Andrew? No, no, that was it. That's oh, all I was going to okay. say. Is like, oh, there was that yep. was the moment yep. where mm-hmm. it became it while. Well, what I was going to say is while he already announced it nationally, I, I for the purposes of marketing himself on mm-hmm. Johnny Carson, um, this is more to solidify it in wrestling lore. Yes. Trope codifier, if if I'm yeah. right, Ed. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah this, this would be the codifying moment for it. Yeah. What also yeah. what also strikes me is this is the moment at which it becomes officially it it becomes it becomes the the official line of the organization. Yes. It's not just him as an individual. Yep. It is no no. This is the thing. Yes. Yep. You know, yeah. now now it is coming now it is coming from the the banner bearer for the sport. Mm-hmm. As opposed to just an individual competitor. Yes. Yes. He is so. WWF, WWF is him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hogan attacks the Iron Sheik just after the bell rings, but while the champion 
is still taking off his agal and his kefia, um, which brings up an actually interesting thing. When you look at what, the way that Hulk Hogan wrestles, um, there are always heel tactics that he employs. He is almost always healing um, the whole time. He's doing, he's scratching people's backs. He is um, sneak attacking them on some level. Like this, this always happens. But this begins the reign of the incredible Hulk Hogan. And so I say wait, that on hold purpose. On. Mm-hmm. I want to. I want to go back to what you're talking about about him healing all the time. Yeah, yeah. Even though I mean, he is he is the face here. He is, and he's booked because as the face. he's because yeah, he's booked as the face, and but he's he going up against tactics. obviously in 1984 the heel would have to yep. be the Iron Sheik, right? Um, because we're still not over the hostage crisis at this right. point. Um, and and so. What I what I find interesting is I feel like this is a a foreshadowing of all of the later anti-hero shit that we see a decade later mm-hmm. in in the nineties and when he when he goes to WCW and it becomes yes you know NWO Hollywood Hogan. the World War that's Earl. right yeah. yeah Hollywood Hogan like this was always there. It was. The style of wrestling seems to have been fairly consistent. The only difference is between the holds, what he does. And when he's NWO Hulk Hogan, when he's Hollywood Hulk Hogan, um, he does a lot more chicken shit tactic stuff, too. Um, He he runs a little bit more. He begs off. He backs down. Um, When he's face Hulk Hogan, he doesn't, but he still does heal shit. And it's not necessarily illegal things. Um, uh-huh. or it is illegal things. And when the ref goes and confronts him, he kind of blows past the ref's objections and moves on. Mm. And the people are with him. Um, all of which I found fascinating. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, which goes right. back to the idea of his populist persona yeah. in many ways. Yes. Um, he can do no wrong because he represents right. the people. Mm-hmm. The only, th- and when he loses, mm-hmm. And when he loses, it's the people who lose. Right. So the only way, what's the terminology? I can't remember it, but it's um, it's um, it's basically like this: is like I'm the only thing that is preventing them from getting to you, in a mm-hmm. weird way. Yeah. What? So he's gonna find excuses to play this. Sometimes you gotta you noble gotta approach. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. What? So so right now, a little bit of context. Right now, I'm teaching. Uh, my my students uh, in sixth grade world history about the Roman Republic, ooh, and and the tribunes of the people, mm-hmm. or the tribunes of the of the plebs. Yep, the person of the tribune was sacrosanct. Yes, and the anybody anybody who fucked with a tribune of of the plebs, and there were like ten of them at a time. Anybody anybody who assaulted a tribune. In the course of doing their job as tribune, your life was forfeit, right? Um, yeah, it was. It was the response. It was literally. It was written into the the codes oh, that right. it was the responsibility. Everyone of every has to kill you. Who saw it happening had to rush the individual doing it and and kill them. Yes, mm-hmm. and and that is mirrored in what you're talking about here. Mm-hmm. This this populist this populist. You know, I I am the avatar of the people because that's yep. literally what a tribune was was the avatar of the plebeian class, mm-hmm. um, and that 
that legitimizes whatever he chooses to do. You can't stop him. Right. It's, it's, it's weird. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's bizarre. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, And again, he he gets away with it because he arrogated that to himself. Well, he is doing, you know, there's there's a guy who used to write for Cracked and who's written several books under the pseudonym of, uh, or the nom de plume of David Wong. His name is Jason Pargin. And he makes this okay. point several times in the podcasts that I've listened to him on and, and on TikTok. Uh, he said, uh, all you need is somebody to give you permission to be shitty to them over there and let you do what you really want to do to a unprotected class. And in many ways, that's what he's doing. Exactly. Every every heel okay. he goes against has it coming by virtue of the fact that they're worse than he is. So whatever cheating he does is okay in the name of justice. And I think Andrew found the name or the word for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I couldn't remember the rhetorical strategy it's associated with. And then like, oh, there it was. Ad populum. Oh, well, oh okay. uh, it's literally like <laughs> yeah. play to the pay, play to the audience, play to the people. Yeah. OK, um, so, yeah. Um, and in all honesty, and we can play, point this out. Trump, former President Trump, hopefully never president again, uh, does this a lot with his base. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he literally one of his literal tweets was memes, whatever, uh, was literally him pointing at the camera being like i'm the only thing that's preventing them the the swamp the mysterious cabal or whatever from getting to you which yeah yeah the deep state he said it when he accepted his nomination back in 2016 i and i alone Mm -hmm. can do Mm -hmm. such and such i and And i alone can protect you right and fix it and yeah and and then which no And and if you look at what he said uh, out on January 6th um, in the morning, uh, it was very akin to that. Um, And and he pulled a Mussolini, which in in many, many ways, but in in saying, all right, go march. I'm going to be with you. And then he went off somewhere else. (laughs) I just love that story about Mussolini, who like he's like watching it from a totally different city while it's happening. And once it's successful, he's like. All right, now I'm going to come in and we're going to stage the pictures. So now everybody thinks that he led the march. Yeah. So mm-hmm. anyway, so the incredible Hulk Hogan starts and they call him that. And, oh. and I, I that matters a lot because you remember the Lou Ferrigno TV appearance in Memphis. You remember when yes. I mentioned that the TV host pointed out that Terry Boulder had a more impressive physique than Lou Ferrigno's. And this was while he was still a local talent yes. in Memphis. So it didn't matter to Marvel, and they probably didn't even notice because it's in Memphis. Despite a TV shot promoting him as the Hulk Terry Hulk Terry the Hulk Balea slash Terry the Hulk Boulder, um, quote, this man. This is from, by the way, a a TV commercial for the wrestling that aired in Memphis. This is a local commercial, and I found it, and it said, quote, this man is not a television illusion. He's not an artist's conception. He's not a figment of the imagination. He is real. He is the Hulk. And it's Hogan posing with the backlit and all kinds of shit. That was a commercial from 79. That's when he was in. Holy, wow. Yeah. Jesus. Okay. So 
mm-hmm. you know the 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 idea that that you know uh, somebody was was saying that uh, Hogan, Terry, what's his name's uh, physique was more impressive than than Lou Ferrigno's. Mm-hmm. Um, Ferrigno was legit a championship bodybuilder. True. Like I I'm I'm I I can only imagine that when that was going on, Ferrigno must have been like in the off season because. Yeah, I mean, or, Hulk is taller you know, than him, but yeah, Hulk is taller and he's bigger. Okay, all right. Virgo is I, cut as right. fuck, but he's yeah. smaller. All right, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, all right, that makes sense, I guess. But yeah, now, now, like I said, that's from a '79 commercial in Memphis. Yeah, he didn't keep the name the Hulk consistently because he was also called Sterling Golden when he went to Georgia. But when he gets to the WWWF, remember, I, I've so I've kind of rewound a little bit for us here uh, to '79. Yeah. McMahon Irishized him and gave him the last name of Hogan and gave him an alternative quality that Stan Lee, or it gave him an an alliterative quality that Stan Lee would have had to appreciate. And once mm. Rocky Three got big and Hulk Hogan was a bigger star than merely being a territory wrestler who had a lot of media exposure and was big in the same market that Marvel got its start, that is New York, things like names begin to matter. The incredible Hulk Hogan continued to be announced as such for the first six months of his championship reign in 1984. So January to June. Okay. And at this time, Vince McMahon is also nationalizing the hell out of the WWF and Hulkamania. He's buying up all sorts of airtime. He's producing shows all over the place and he's beginning all kinds of merch and marketing. And within a, which by the way, most wrestlers were tricked into signing over the rights. Um, within a couple yeah. of years, Hulkamania is leading the charge for all sorts of things that kids can buy. Multivitamins, ice cream bars, shirts, bandanas, foam fingers, rubber dolls, cuddle plush toys, plastic rings, bendable rubber, rubber dolls, thumb wrestling dolls. Those were my favorites. A cartoon, countless live appearances and guest appearances in other media. And at this point in, in uh, the summer of, of uh, 84... Marvel executives took notice and they struck a deal with the WWF. They smelled money, as as Vince McMahon likes to say. Um, and starting on July 9th, 1984, Marvel and uh, WWF had a licensing agreement going forward. He would never be called the Incredible Hulk Hogan again. And there would be other terms. And I went and found the contract. And so here's some excerpts from the licensing agreement between Marvel Comics and Titan Sports, which was McMahon's name for his company. Quote, The term of this license shall commence on July 9, 1984, and shall continue until the earlier of A, 20 years from the date of this agreement, or B, when Terry Bollea ceases to be involved with wrestling. The limitations bestowed upon the WWF by Marvel included, quote, Titan may not use the term incredible in connection with Hulk Hogan. Marvel recognizes that the use of the word incredible might be used by announcers on TV or radio in connection therewith, and such use will not be considered a breach. When using Hulk, it must always be used with Hogan. When used together, Hulk may not be more prominent than Hogan. So you couldn't go Hulk Hogan. Titan cannot use the colors green and purple in connection with Hulk Hogan or his logo. That any logo created for Hulk Hogan must be different from the Hulk Hogan lo- from the Hulk logo. 
that any logo created for Hulk Hogan may not be such so as to be confused with or be similar to in any way the logo of Hulk. So there's there's okay. the stuff. Now here's some terms. Marvel also got $100 for every match that Hulk Hogan wrestled during that time. Just anytime he wrestled a match, Marvel just, would get a $100 just... check. Nice. All right. They also got a cut of his merchandise sales. 0. 0.90 of 1% of merch sales for Hogan were paid in royalties to Marvel. Now, this doesn't sound like yeah. much, right? But keep in mind, Hulk but... Hogan is wrestling 300 times a year for those first few years. So in he's wrestling three hundred yeah. times a year. Mm -hmm. So that's three. That's he's wrestling 30, in arenas. Uh huh. That's yeah. That's that's thirty grand. He's uh -huh. wrestling in arenas where there are twenty thousand people attending. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. So the merch that they buy. I mean, and the merch that they buy. Mm -hmm. You know, ninety cents. Uh, well, no, wait. Uh, nine nine percent no. of one. Yeah, point nine percent. So it's it's. They get a little bit less nine than a penny cents for on every the dollar. 10 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Nine cents yeah. for every 10 bucks, depending on how much they're charging for a shirt. Right. Yeah. That's not an insignificant re uh, revenue no. stream. In like, 1980s money, that's 85,000 of today's dollars a year. Just because another guy wrestled somewhere. I would love, I would love to make. <laughs> yeah. Can you, I would love can to make a quarter of that for passive income. Are you kidding me? It's, that's more than I make in a year from active income. Right and now. the very next line I wrote, like, imagine getting your annual salary as a teacher because another guy wrestled a bunch of house shows. Shit. <laughs> Quote, Hulk Hogan is a trademark of the Marvel Comics Group licensed exclusively to Titan Sports, Inc. That gets... Whoa, 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 whoa. Yep. Get, hold okay. on. Back, okay. Reread that. Sure. Hold Quote, on. Hulk Hogan is a trademark yeah, of the Marvel Comics Group, licensed exclusively to Titan Sports Inc. End quote. So, so ownership of the name—it's trademark, yeah—was agreed to belong to Marvel. Well, on the understanding that they yes. were that they were licensing it, yes, to the WWF exclusively. Yeah, now, that's a big deal. That gets printed uh, on. All things WWF that tie to Hulk Hogan. So at the end of TV shows, at the end of just that gets put there as an afterline. Now that doesn't matter to you or me or the consumer, but my God, when you're building a case for who owns what brand legally and who gets cuts of what asset, that's fucking golden. That is sterling golden. <laughs> yeah. I, I saw that coming. The yeah, moment you said does. that's fucking, I was like, <laughs> I know what's coming. Oh my God. Oh, okay. it gets better. It gets better. This includes video games in the late 1980s. What? So now you remember 0 0.90 of 1% of sales, not profit, sales goes to Marvel. So if a video game costs $50, which was true in 1990, even, 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 even just one video game that's 45 cents going to Marvel, right? Now, remember what the rental mm -hmm. store market meant for video game sales? Oh, shit. Now, I couldn't find, I could not find, I searched for hours <laughs> on this, I could not find. I'm sure. Yeah, uh, what, what the actual numbers of items sold 
of WrestleMania yeah. Challenge, for instance, or any other games that had them on it. Yeah, but that's that's a lot of fucking money. That's that's, that's a lot that's of passive income. Big bucks. That is a lot. That's a shit ton of money. It's a good oh deal. My and God. Vince signed wow. over that money because well, because he knew he was going to be making hand over. He's making the other ninety percent with Hogan, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This also Holy means crap. that Marvel gets to see what it could get away with when it came to the names and likeness uses. And on uh, March yeah. 1990, yeah, right. okay. Marvel Comics Testing presents. Waters. Yeah, okay. yeah. And in 1990, Marvel March 10th, 1990, Marvel Comics presents issue number 45 came on the stands. Okay, so I paused so that we yeah. can get these reactions on here. I I I sent you both the the screenshots of a comic book. Um, so you have the first one up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, could somebody please describe what we're seeing? Uh, well, number one, um, we're seeing a gray Hulk. Oh, uh, go which which that's... catches my attention. Okay, see if you no. can find one above that. Uh, Hogan comic oh, one. Hogan, Hogan comic Hogan. one. Oh, okay, here we go. Hold on. All right. Okay, here we go. Um, no. I'm rowdier than Roddy. Huh. Number one, there's 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 uh inside baseball references to uh-huh to what was going on in the WWF. Now notice what is decidedly <laughs> missing from from this this comic though. You don't actually his see face. his face. Right. Oh yeah, that's a little weird. Granted, right? you've got his hairline. And you don't even have his hairline. Right. Well you have you, you have yeah. a flattering you have a flattering portrayal of his hairline you do and what does he like, say I mean, you know, yeah. after throwing the guy down i'm the i'm the he says i'm the incredible hulk i'm the incredible hulk yeah and everybody's chanting hulk 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 hulk, hulk, hulk and then you hulk, see yeah. the winner and hulk. still champion the blonde barnstormer himself and then you go to the next one yeah which is is the gray hulk uh-huh i'm calling yeah. you out hulk right and then you go to the next one yeah and what and it's does them. I gotta find gray green three. hulk say you gotta probably gotta zoom in a bit uh i've seen, I've seen your, your posters, posters. Uh-huh. i've seen your videos i've seen your stupid cartoon show uh I, i've seen enough every time i read hulk next to your Ugly mug. It makes me. Oh, that's a angry. Angrier. And yeah. get angry. I get well. You you get the idea. And he's and kicking he says, the shit uh, out of Hulk. He literally Hulk. is. Yeah. He's, oh yeah, my god! Absolutely. It's, it's a beating. Yeah. And, and then uh, and then and you pick the wrong name. Uh huh. Oh yeah. Yeah, and, and he, then and then he's and the the very last one is leaning over the ropes. So so any of you other any other of you clowns want to swipe a name you don't deserve just to get ahead, right? And by the way, he has thrown oh. Hulk Hogan through the roof of the building, through the ceiling, yeah, yes. through the roof of the building, yeah, yeah. Speaking yeah. of speaking of comic book physics, but this is yeah. what's called a squash match. By the way, did you see Hulk Hogan get any offensive moves in? No, did you see it? Uh, <laughs> that's very a good quickly. point. Not yeah, at all. Yeah, yeah, right. You no, know, it it, it ended it ended painfully. And know. before am, he, yeah. I'm hurting. 
<laughs> and before he launches Hogan into the stratosphere, the Incredible Hulk says, you picked the wrong name, right? Yeah. And and then he's leaning yeah. over the ropes, but he's looking right at us, the readers. Yeah. And says, any of you other clowns want to swipe a name that you don't deserve just to get ahead? Yeah, no. Um, literally, this is telling the audience what to yep. think, what yep. to know. Yeah. The, when it comes to media literacy, it's all about really understanding intent. What is the intent mm -hmm. of the message? And in this case, it's literally saying, Marvel's literally saying, we have more power. Right. Now we, we yeah. own we own this name. Yep. We own him in all the ways, right? All right. Now yes. to move forward for just a second, just because we're talking comic books for just a second, and I want people to <laughs> this is gonna be so fun. Um WCW did consider working with Marvel again in the late 1990s when Hogan was in charge of the NWO, and concept art was produced but it died quicker than the cancer patient who asked Sting for help in defeating cancer. And and that's a thing that happened. Let's get dark, dude. Yeah. yeah. Like thank you for that. Right? Um let um, me I, you know if this wow. Yeah, go ahead. I'm just saying like I've I've gotten I've gotten far enough into my beer that like I don't I don't I don't want to finish it off, but I also want to keep drinking. Because just what you just said. Oh no, no, God, fucking really? Oh, I was not joking. No, Julie, Sting is only human like the rest of us, but he can make you an official stinger. What the fuck, bro? So Sting has shown up, no shirt, but his hair is paint or his face is painted, and he's he's wearing he's surfer sting. He's wearing Hogan's colors, by the way. Um, and yeah, the, face the cancer patient says, "Sting, can you help me be? Can you help me be better? Help? Can you? Can you help make me better?" And wow, and no, but he can make you a stinger. Wow, thanks. Wow. Oh, this is the ultimate make a wish moment. I really <laughs> feel like the writers. We're looking at this like we gotta write what now? Yeah, I'm also yeah. I'm also, also looking what? I'm also looking at Sting and I, I when I first saw it, yeah, and then died laughing. Uh, I thought that was the ultimate warrior for a second. You know, fun fact I can see that. Sting yeah, and the Ultimate that. Warrior got started as the Blade Runners, a tag team, I believe for Memphis, maybe Texas. Um, one was named Rock and one was named Steel. Scissors. And okay. uh and they no both unicorn? Were, uh no. Oh <laughs> but they nice. both wore face paint and uh well done. Um they both wore face paint and then they went their separate ways, went to different federations. Um yeah. when the Ultimate Warrior showed back up in WCW, he and Sting cut a promo together and he starts with, Oh, what a big difference a little bit of face makeup makes. Because Sting was crow sting. I love point. that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It was. It was. Oh. It was something. So yeah, those two guys worked together briefly. Wow. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck, man? Like this is amazing. That is. I, that I, is. I want, that is I want, such. 
that is such shitty dialogue that I can't help but think I like I want to believe that the the writer literally looked at his editor and said, "Oh, oh, you want me to write that? Okay, fuck you. I and, I will. I'm and getting this patient, framed. Yeah, the cancer <laughs> patient is a woman who is missing yeah. most of her hair. Yeah. It's clear. This that, is this is yeah. this is the most like honest to God. I." I I have read I I have read some ugly Japanese comics. I'm just gonna leave that hanging there. This is no kidding. Oh, yeah. The ugliest, ugliest panel yeah. I've ever seen. Oh yeah, in literally, like, literally, Sting has no hope in his face. He's like, none. Yeah, yeah. yeah I could call you Stinger. That's, you're gonna die. Yeah. You're dead. And yeah, like, yeah. He went, Let's wow. go with that. Yeah, like. So like like Junji oh, Ito boy. looks at this and says, "I can't do horror this good." <laughs> I, oh. I like now. I back, I, I, back need, to the... I need to put down my pens forever. I'm done. Back to the Jeez, licensing deal. Um, yeah. What's really clever about the licensing deal is that it's tied to Hulk Hogan wrestling. It is not tied to the WWF's employment of Hulk Hogan. Therefore, as long as Hulk Hogan is wrestling, is involved in wrestling. WWF has to pay Marvel, which means that when Hulk Hogan goes to WCW, Marvel keeps getting what? paid. The WWF. fuck? Uh-huh. <laughs> now, this is not as awesome as the Bobby Bonilla what? deal. But it's close. I love this. Yeah. I, oh, I, my I... God. I, I can't help but imagine that Ted Turner, like, at some point thought about that and yeah. just cackled. I like, hope so. Like reached up, just like oh Hogan's Hogan's out in the ring. Oh yeah, oh, oh yeah, suck it, McMahon. Like this is, it's so funny to me mm-hmm. because it's literally like oh we're you're gonna pay us and we're gonna just constantly insult you. Yes, too. Like yeah, and you're gonna. Oh pay my us. god, I wow. love this. Yeah, yes, yes. So this ends up. Being I'm sorry, somewhere... I'm still stuck on. Oh. I'm still stuck on Ted Turner. Just being like, because <laughs> you know we we had we had an episode yeah. that was basically you know focused around the the petty oh yeah petty bullshit of two rich men you know mm-hmm. yeah trying to try to outdo each other <laughs> yeah like I I'm still stuck on that but wow so WWF oh, ends oh up goodness. spending somewhere north of five hundred thousand dollars over a twenty year period in payments to Marvel. This is this is twenty years of found money between nineteen eighty four and two thousand four. Um, I found another twenty grand. In the couch cushions <laughs> because Hogan never stopped being involved with wrestling. Of course not. <laughs> and no, it never said he Why had would to he? wrestle. It just said had to, he had to be involved with wrestling. So even involved, if he's making yeah. appearances at a show and not wrestling. Now they also wow. got a hundred dollars for every every time he was uh, wrestling in the ring, but plenty of times he didn't. He's still involved. If he's going and giving autographs for being Hulk Hogan, he's still involved. Now, Having a promo, yeah. I have a question now. Go for it. Uh, he he's in the WWE Hall of Fame. He is. So does that mean he's always going to be involved, no matter what? Technically, yes. But remember, the deal was a twenty-year yeah. deal. 
So it ends it ends okay, in okay. 2004. Yeah. Now, interestingly uh, enough, after that agreement ends, it's only after that agreement ends, Terry Balea purchases the rights to his stage name and has owned it ever since then. Although now it's through his own LLC, Hogan Holdings LLC. And he owns all the things tied to his name. It is all his now. He waited until that contract ended, though. Okay, so so was super part shrewd. of that? Yeah. Well, one super shrewd. Do you think part of that was motivated by? Oh yeah, no. Uh, fuck my man. I, I I want I want to see him like. Maybe you know. I I I, okay. I would say that Hogan and McMahon have a love hate relationship for much of their career. They make money together and they bug each other, and they make money together yeah. and they bug each other, and it's very upsy downsy. Um. And and when they both get over it, then they make money together again. And then one of them bugs the other, and then they they depart. So I think it's less about sticking it to McMahon and more about like, well, I don't want to fucking pay that money. Um, no. Let McMahon do it. And so then afterwards, he buys the name. Now that means uh, that uh, you know he he's the one buying the rights to his name. And McMahon could have gone into a bidding war over it, and it doesn't. I, I found no evidence that that McMahon stuck him on, on that purchase because that was something that was exclusively licensed to WWF. Um, but you know, on and mm -hmm. on and on. So I'm not entirely sure. Um, but it, it seems to me that he's okay. just being shrewd and not wanting. Um, and, and it also shows a very clever understanding and use of intellectual property and media's functions on his part. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Which is why I brought in the big guns with Andrew here. Um, yeah. Am I off at all here or is there? No, I, I well, I, I can't talk about legal stuff in this case, but yeah, um, most of the things that he's pretty much doing is kind of pre-planned in a lot of ways, in my view. Mm -hmm. um, he's th he's he's thinking everybody's playing checkers but he's playing chess basically uh but he he's thinking how can i best maintain my image in a lot of ways and still mm -hmm. kind of continue on i don't know where i'm going with this but it, it, it's you're touching on my it's pieces. pretty much that yeah yeah I mean, yeah he he he's 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 basically trying to maintain his image in whatever way that would benefit him the most. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and when it doesn't, he steps away from it. And when it does, he leans into it. Yeah. And this is a pattern. He, this ebb and flow is absolutely a pattern that pays off throughout the entire. And, rest it, of this. and it just keeps making me think about like that, that the earlier stuff you talked about in the last mm -hmm. episode where he, he would go to those bars and he would go to, um, uh, oh yeah, he would go to the gym, the gym yeah. and, and make it's making me. And then like how he modeled himself after uh, who was the wrestler? What was his Graham. name again? Superstar Brand Graham. Yeah, yeah. There's like Graham, eight yeah. Grams. So it, it, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. There's so many Grams. Graham, uh, superstar mm -hmm. cracker. Um, yeah, and <laughs> thank you. Uh, yeah, and so basically what I'm thinking is he he. 
he was reading the room. He identified, okay, these guys, these are their weaknesses. Here's how I will, how I will adapt. Mm-hmm. Um, here's how I can present myself more effectively. Like e- even like him coming out with those primary colors of yellow and red. Yellow and red are bright and they're identifiable. You can I see uh, them from a distance. Exactly. Exactly. Cheap seats can see and you so too. Every. Yeah, and even in the comic photos, hold on. Mm-hmm. I could, I, uh, I pulled up the wrong one. I am saving that photo of oh, Sting. Uh, the cancer kid. That is so funny. <laughs> yeah, right there. Okay, so even in the comic photos, mm-hmm. I, I don't even think, the more I think about it, I don't think this is bad for him. No, it's not. Like, okay, yeah, he's he he. they're still using his colors. It is, in a way advertisement for him even yep. though it is benefiting marvel yeah and and in wrestling parlance you got beat by the incredible hulk it took the incredible hulk to beat you is another way to put it so you can still yeah. spin it as like you know yeah it took a guy who held up a mountain once to beat me i would point out yeah. in that mm-hmm. very first frame that i sent you look how small his dick is in that picture <laughs> like marvel <laughs> Spared no. You cut out there. Say it again. Uh, I said, uh, look how small his dick looks in that picture. Um, Marvel spared no expense in pettiness there. I don't know. I think it's pretty average. (laughs) (laughs) I I will say, having watched a lot of Hulk Hogan's matches, uh, his shit hangs lower. Um, But... Um, And that'll actually come into into play in in a few episodes, sadly. Uh, (laughs) I am... Yeah. We're going to talk a lot nope. about Hulk Hogan's penis. Oh, great. Oh, uh, yeah. Another Lovely. member of this podcast. Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, God and, damn it, you two. Really? Right? Sorry. I'm it's coming in subtle. Shot, I love this. I really enjoy damn this it. podcast. I Oh, I, I did absolutely love, love the episode of Punts. Uh, oh, so I came in very prepared or ready <laughs> to go. Keeping Good. up. Good. All right. Next time we record, I'm 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 just going. I'm not I'm, going I'm, with bourbon barrel aged beer. I'm going straight to the bourbon bottle. Or it right. Otherwise, you're both right of you on it. I'm gonna make this point. Probably, I'm probably gonna be listening to this on like the car ride because uh, with my partner, we're gonna be driving from Texas to Washington. Huh? I can just see <laughs> at that moment where she just hits me like, oh, ah, <laughs> oh, what's wrong with you? As she should. <laughs> God damn it. I mean, uh, I, okay, hold on. Let me go on the record. Uh, partner abuse is wrong. <laughs> but fighting words is a legal concept. It's true. There's, so, yeah, we don't kink shame. God damn right. it. Okay. okay. Yes. Andrew's partner, right. if you're listening, it's legal to do that in Texas. Less so <laughs> in other states. Yeah, and and it's a big enough state that if you start the podcast, I mean, I'm not going to fight her. Leaving the house, yeah, okay. <laughs> You're still going to be in the state when you yeah. get to that point. Uh, so, so let's get back to Hulk Jesus. Hogan's yes, meteoric if, rise. Yeah, um, yeah, so yeah. from Hulkamania comes <laughs> WrestleMania. Um, and with those things paired up, Hulk Hogan's star rockets upward, and from '84 onward. One could accurately claim that Hulk Hogan was responsible for an increase of over 45% in paying audiences at live shows. Was it okay? Wait, stop. Mm-hmm. Was it that small? 
45 well, I said over 45. So over, the conservative 45. estimate would be 45. Okay. Because yeah. here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, until I was nine. Mm-hmm. So until, until 84, I was in, I want to say I was, I was in the fourth grade. Mm-hmm. It took until I was in the fourth grade to have an awareness of professional wrestling. And my awareness of professional wrestling Mm -hmm. was entirely because of the WWF. And my first exposure to the milieu Mm -hmm. was Hulk Hogan, uh, uh, Ricky Steamboat. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to remember who the other, who the other, who the other stars were. Uh, the, those, those were the two biggest because, because my best friend in the fourth grade, uh, was a huge, uh, Ricky, the dragon steamboat fan, mm-hmm. R- Roddy Piper. Yep. I can't believe I forgot Roddy Piper, but you know, that, that whole crowd at that time was, that was my first exposure to the sport and to the medium mm-hmm. like at all. And for me. I, I just I find it I find it fascinating that there is this like Vince McMahon figures out, okay, no, seriously, I'm gonna take this national, I'm gonna turn this into a media fucking empire. And I'm gonna use this guy mm-hmm. as as the platform to do that. You know, he's he's gonna be the face of this. And you know, I mean, there, there were so many things that that kind of came to a confluence at the same time. There was there was wrestling, there was MTV. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to get um, to all of this. Okay, yeah, but but like, and then yeah. and then you say an an increase in you know of of at least of more than forty five percent. I'm like, how is it not at least a hundred percent? Well, you remember like, prior to this, he was he was involved in shows that had twenty thousand sellouts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right? No. You're, so forty five percent increase to that. There's only is there's thirty thousand. Yeah. There, yeah there's you know. there's only so many seats you have also in the arena. So like, yeah, yeah. No, I get that. Yeah. But I, like, while you're talking about the the, I'm, I'm sure the the quote that you're using there is because that's a really that that's an easy metric to look at. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to know what's the change in viewership of the sport. Oh, we're going to get to that too. Okay. Ooh, yeah. Bitchin Camaro. I'm Yeah. All right. So, according to Hulk Hogan himself, he was making about 10 million dollars a year at his peak from 87 to 89. Okay, wait. Hold on. 10 million okay. in 87 to 89 money? Yes. Hawk me gently with a chainsaw. Seriously? Well, well According to him, okay, the problem right. with this oh, is that okay. all the sources I found pointed back to Hogan's own admittance, and short of a oh. FOIA request, I can't seem to find his tax returns <laughs> for those years. All right, good point. So I'm going to be a failed Livy and say, "Fuck it, let's go with it." Ten million a year, which is not outside the realm of possibilities. The dude had a lot, a lot of merch, and WWF was in full ascent. Hulk Hogan was involved in the the main event of every WrestleMania from one through eight. He was in the main event in all of them except for WrestleMania four. And he came out after the main event of WrestleMania nine to defeat the newly crowned champion Yokozuna in a squash match to end the show. 
During this meteoric rise, wow. there were efforts to get him even more mainstream attention, per your request. After Rocky III, he was in a made-for-TV movie-length pilot on ABC in August of 84 called Goldie and the Bears. You've seen I this. had not thought of that for literally forever, but you mentioned the title, and I'm like, oh, shit, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. So the plot, uh, so Andrew, you probably don't know this story, but the plot of Goldie and the Bears is simple. It's a simple one. It's a tale as old as time. A former football player turned private yeah. eye dies, causing his daughter, played by Stephanie Pharisee, whom you might recognize as John Candy's wife from The Great Outdoors, causes her to join up yeah, with three of his former players to take over his business. Right? I mean, when when haven't we seen it? among us? Yeah. Has not been. seen this storyline. Exactly. Is this not a, a, a variant of Ted Lasso? <laughs> <laughs> you can um, see the connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The Hulk only Hogan, is, is not... he stars alongside the guy who used Conan's dad's sword, um, Ben Davidson, the one who would also be the Shogun of Harlem, Julius J. Carey III, a full year before uh, he changed movie history forever by playing Shonuff himself. Uh, the tagline in the advertisement that I found for this movie was, quote, when I go after the bad guys, three Hulks are better than one. Bullshit. Nope. Dead fucking no. serious. That was like in like a TV advertisement on in a newspaper or uh, a magazine. I can't remember which. I just I OK. I had to look it up. I had to look it up. Sure. And what I find remarkable is is the lead actress. Mm hmm is is i mean she's got like five seven five eight <laughs> and, and the picture of the three guys standing next to her they are like armpit two heads, and shoulders ahead of her yeah that's yeah two heads tall she is yeah it's like a hobbit the standing amongst the... it's a tv pilot yeah um goldie and, and the bears yeah what was it say it goldie, goldie and the bears and the bears and, and there she comes up like the bottom of their pecs like yep. it's ridiculous how huge these guys are oh christ i watched <laughs> so many parts of this fucking thing i oh, am so sorry because i can welcome. tell just from the publicity photos that oh it's gotta be awful yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm just looking at the poster right yeah. no it's yeah bad. oh it looks bad oh it looks like, cheesy as fuck yeah yeah Again, when he's starring alongside the guy who helped Thalsa Doom and the guy who would become Shonuff. The um, guy who helped Thalsa Doom was nearly a spit take on this end. I, I just that. need you to know. Like, <laughs> holy crap. Yeah. So, wow. Three Hulks are better than one. His name is becoming just, it is fucking it's everywhere. Mimetic. It's, yes, mimetic. It's, it a is. mimetic. it's a viral, it's a mimetic viral agent. In yes. the terms of the oh. SCP Foundation. Now, it's by the time like... of this pilot, he had been billed as Hulk Hogan in the credits for Rocky Three. He has been on Johnny Carson as Hulk Hogan. He's been the new WWF champion for eight months by the time this movie has come out. They are fully banking on his media appeal. It's not like someone said, man, I sure wish Conan's non-mallet-wielding opponent would do a show, right? <laughs> They're not begging for him. Stephanie Pharisee was two years away from becoming whatever level it is below a household name. Um, this was stunt casting, and Hulk Hogan was at the center of it to bring viewers. 
It, of course, did not get picked up, leading to the second greatest tragedy on TV. Um, the first, of course, being when Mark Green died of a, a head, uh, a brain tumor. Um, but right after that is that this didn't get picked up. Um, and by the way, trying to research this show was harrowing, not because of the quality of the show, but because it kept turning up bisexual erotic thrillers. <laughs> well, okay, hold on. Okay. Really? Harrowing? I don't go for bears. That makes sense, actually. Oh, all, yeah. all right. Never mind. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I am a bear. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was like, <laughs> wait a minute. Come on now. All right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So... Now, I am sorry. There was an assumption on my part involved. That's okay. That's bad on my part. I'm sorry. (laughs) Now, Hulk Hogan didn't have that much to do because he didn't have that much time to do anything outside of his wrestling media duties and matches from 84 to 89. He did a couple episodes of a soap opera called Search for Tomorrow. He did an episode of The Love Boat. He did a few music videos. And, of course, the cartoon which I still say is wrestling duties, considering it was a cartoon called Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. But he and his fellow wrestlers were only in the first couple episodes providing voice work. After that, it went to voice actors. But it's still his likeness. It's still mm-hmm. a voice similar enough to his. Um, uh, and the, the rest of the time, he was actually, you want to know who voiced him? It was the brother from Everybody Loves Raymond. What? Really? I can hear it. I yes. can hear it. I yes. can. Okay. Yeah. I. I mean. I mean. I can buy that. But it takes uh-huh. me a moment to to switch to switch mental gears and sure. And like. Okay. Sure. I. Yeah. Wow. I just. The only thing is, I can't think of him like eccentric. Right. Yeah. 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 But. But yeah. No, I can buy that. I yeah. Can, okay. Now, this cartoon ran for two truncated seasons and featured comedy yeah. vignettes with the live-action wrestlers between the scenes of the cartoon. Uh, the WWF logo appeared at the end of each episode, and at the beginning, we saw Hogan himself walking to the ring with the music overlaying the cuts, and it ends with him walking down a downtown street in his yellow and red, getting mobbed by a ton of kids who loved him. The cartoon ran from 85 to 86 and came about as an effort to get more eyes on WWF and what it was doing. It's not WWF's rock and wrestling. It's Hulk Hogan's rock and wrestling. And yet rock and wrestling connection was the one was one that was created initially without Hulk Hogan at all. And that kind of gets to my main point here. Hogan is never the originator of the thing that he ends up using to 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 enrich himself and increase his brand and then eventually hold others down with it. He never starts it. He comes into it once it's already going along. Okay. What a great opportunist. Yes. Just, oh my goodness. Well, and, you know, on its own, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to say, on its own, that's not necessarily a bad thing. No, not at all. You know, like it's his, it's his face, it's his likeness, it's his voice, it's his, his persona Mm -hmm. that is, that is making him and Vince McMahon and CBS, NBC, whichever network did the cartoon. I don't remember anymore. You know, like it's, 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 it's him, his, his 
charisma mojo, whatever you want to call it. And so him, him using that to his advantage on its own, mm-hmm. that's an important caveat, is not a bad thing. But I have a premonition of where this is going. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and based on what I know about that, it's it's the it's the development from there mm-hmm. where this is going to wind up, you know, turning into a genuine like no kidding dark side. Uh, yeah. Beyond beyond just, you know, him getting into a fight with with the guy who who was his his, you know, manager territory mm-hmm. runner. You oh, know. yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's all true. Okay. <laughs> um, so here's what's interesting about this timing, right? Um, the VHS cassette market and rental market were just heating up, as we talked about. I'm not going to go through the stats again. If you want, go listen to the Dark Crystal episodes. Yeah. Um, but but suffice to say, the VHS rental store was gaining in popularity and regularity, uh, and as he's on his ascent, so there's a bit of luck involved there. Good fortune. But before we can even get to the first WrestleMania, we have to look at the Rock and Wrestling connection and the A-Team connections. Both of these are more thanks to cross-promotion with Hogan coming in at the end and heating it up to 11, but built by the efforts of other people initially, namely Roddy Piper and Vince McMahon. So Hogan's champion in 84, January of 84. MTV by that point had been on the air for about three years largely just being a place to show videos of white musicians. Now, this doesn't mean there weren't black musicians in the rotation, but it does mean that it was largely the same 12 artists, although I had trouble tracking down one of them during that time period. Uh, This was true to the point where David Bowie specifically called it out in a live MTV interview in 1983. Mm. Rick James had also called it out vocally as his music video for Super Freak was straight out refused by MTV because it didn't fit their ideas on album rock. This doesn't mean that there weren't black musicians in some of the bands that were focused on. Culture Club had a black musician in it. Thompson Twins, they both had black band members. But the first head of talent acquisitions at MTV at the time, Carolyn Baker, later admitted, quote, the party line at MTV was that we weren't playing black music because of the research. But the research was based on ignorance. We were young. We were cutting edge. We didn't have to be on the cutting edge of racism. Anyway. All right. Interestingly, Which, if what's that? I, I was trying to remember. Like, wasn't what, what was the tagline for MTV back I then? Want my MTV. Yeah, yeah, that was it. And, yeah. and yeah. they they tried to create themselves like mm-hmm. as something new, something different, something Absolutely. innovative. Yeah, and yet they were still kind of like going back to the old ways, still too. Yes, yes. How can yeah. we? Oh, yeah. How can we appeal to the largest number in the middle? So. We have to get into the southern markets. It's it's, it's the same. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, anyway, cowards. interestingly, if you look at the wiki article on WrestleMania, it mentions MTV twice. MTV's mm-hmm. wiki makes zero mention of wrestling. Ooh. I know. I found, I just, you know, it's, it's good to take a pulse every once in a while. So, I mean, it could be like, it could be a factor like, Oh, um, did somebody not edit it in? Like, sure. Fun fact: I used to get bored, and I used to edit 
Wikipedia. There was a time when Wikipedia was about the Wikipedia for Silence of the Lambs was about quiet sheep because of me. Uh, it only lasted for maybe a week or so. Yeah, my brother was the first man on the moon for about four hours. Congratulations. Nice. <laughs> um, but also at the same time, I, I'm just throwing in media literacy stuff. Um, I'm actually one of the instructors who would be like, yeah, Wikipedia is great. Uh, mm -hmm. Don't use it as a primary source, but use it as like too. a resource tool to like fact check or like mm -hmm. check for other sources and stuff like that. I yeah, always like look at the bibliography at the end of the oh, Wikipedia it. article. It's so and organized. Really it's good so great. Yeah. 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 Oh, God. But also like you can get some backgrounds on certain types of organizations like, oh, this organization's publishing this. What's their background? Are they credible? Right. Stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's, yep. it is interesting. Like MTV doesn't mention wrestling. Right. Yeah. Even though it came in at MTV's nascency. Yeah. So now 1956, 1950s and 1960s wrestler later turned rubber band aficionado and manager Captain Lou Albano was on a trip down <laughs> to Puerto Rico to work for the Colognes. He met Cindy Lauper on the plane and she dug him and she asked him to play her father in her music video, Girls Just Want to Have Fun, which he did. Now, given that he wasn't working for Vincent uh, J. McMahon and that he was in between WWF and Puerto Rico, Lou went for it. He's like, well, I'm not wrestling right now. So sure. And this video comes out in September of 1983. You remember Hulk Hogan shows up in WWF yeah. in December of 83. So we're going to leave Hogan yeah. alone for a little bit. Now, I've read some reports that say that this video came out in 84, but that compresses things too much. And I, it seems overly simplified, to be perfectly honest. So I'm sticking with the video releasing around the time of the single release. David Wolf, uh, Cindy Lauper's manager, suggested that they continue to collaborate as opportunities come to the come came up in the future. And sure enough, right after Hulk Hogan wins the belt in January of 84, uh, and he needs a strong heel to go against, the collaborations begin. Enter Roddy Piper. In 1984, June of 84, Cindy Lauper appears on Piper's Pit. Now, by this point, she'd also released Time After Time, and she's as New York as they come, which absolutely <laughs> helps the storyline along. Lou Albano comes out while she's being interviewed by Roddy Piper during this interview, and he tells her, Lou Albano tells her to tell everyone how he found her in Queens and made her a superstar. She played it off as he was kidding, and he gets more and more misogynistic, telling her, telling her to tell the fans how women belong in the kitchen and can't do anything for themselves. Now, he's obviously being the heel here, right? Quote, yeah. tell them how you came off my reputation, Cindy, how all women are slime. Um, they have a big argument. <laughs> Uh, and then you have two men towering over Cindy Lauper, and she's trying to keep her cool. And she says, I don't want to get mad. Don't get me mad. And at this point, Piper says that he doesn't care who gets mad. Albano said that she was abroad, and she took tremendous umbrage to that and slapped Lou with her purse, rips Roddy's T-shirt, and she attacks these two behemoths. David Wolf comes out to pull her off of them. Now... That's a big deal. This is a New York promotion. It's Piper's Pit. Yeah. You are getting so many eyeballs on this, right? Because Cindy Lauper yeah. is huge. Now the next oh, yeah. week, the next week is June twenty third. 
Piper goes to Cindy Lauper's recording studio to confront her for her behavior and ask her for an apology. He does so with a microphone and a cameraman in hand. Piper heals it up, and at this point, she looks to the camera and cuts a promo on Albano and Piper. Quote, let me tell you something, Mr. Albano. I challenge you, you big fat bag of wind. Now, at this point, Hulk Hogan hasn't been mentioned at all, right? Um, no. From February through March, champion Hulk Hogan goes to Japan and wrestles all over there. When he gets back, he has a few heater matches. A heater match is something that will keep you in the public eye, but it's not a huge feud. And they're trying to kind of see what sticks to the fans. Uh, he has a short sh- short feud with uh, Dr. D. David Schultz. Uh, you might remember him as the guy who slapped the shit out of John Stossel. Um, so mm-hmm. I like him. Um, <laughs> yeah. He has a few matches with Tiger Chung Lee and Paul Orndorff and a heater feud with Big John Studd. Um, this one is the foray into the Piper and Hogan beginning their feud. Uh, and then in May, Hogan goes back to Japan for about a week where he even teamed up with Big John Studd because they're both Gaijin. They're both American wrestlers. And then another trip to Japan in early June. And when he comes back, he's involved in a few battle royals. He puts over Big John Studd a few times through those. It's okay to get thrown out during a battle royal. You don't have your title on the mm-hmm. line. Um, he wrestled Moondog Rex, but not Moondog Spot. And yes, I'm serious. Um, meanwhile, uh, on July t- 13th, 1984, on MTV, there was a panel hosted by VJ Alan Hunter who asked Captain Lou Albano, quote, why should anyone believe a man who has rubber bands on his face? Lou Albano's response, because my honesty and my integrity is beyond reproach. And so you've got all of this happening. He then goes on to chide Piper, calling Piper's pit, uh, and he being uh, uh, Alan Hunter, calls Piper's pit, quote, a disgrace to professional wrestling and journalism. So Piper gets up and comes around the desk and begins to cut a promo. You sit there, 140 pounds, obviously been taking female steroids half your life. You're going to come and insult me. We can do it right here, you skinny little geek. And he grabs Hunter by the tie and drags him over the table. Now behind them, Lou Albano can be seen giving David Wolf a few shots, working punches, while Cindy Lauper jumps over the table mm-hmm. to attack Roddy Piper, which then causes Roddy to flee, quote, Get this witch away from me, end quote. She picks up a chair and attacks Captain Lou with it. All of this work through this point has been to cross-promote WWF and MTV. WWF is still largely a regional promotion trying to become global, and MTV was riding the cable wave into households across America. So to have WWF wrestlers on MTV is a big deal. From 80 to 84, cable households had risen by 23%, of the country up to tw- uh, up to 46% of the country. And MTV was right there with it. And by January of 85, that represented over 32 million subscribers. So WWF is pushing hard its main villain, and MTV is all too happy for the programming because originally they had trouble keeping up with programming, often going to a black screen while they switched VHS cassettes for the <laughs> videos. And... and... Mm-hmm. <laughs> what this what this brings to mind for me is there was a period of time in my youth mm-hmm. between like age nine and age ten where wrestling was ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. It was it was it had suffused 
the media landscape. We are getting to that moment. Okay. We're getting to that saturation point. Because, yeah. because you know, the, the idea that, or, or the moment, I guess, where um, MTV <laughs> is giving an international cable, you know, satellite to everywhere on the planet kind uh-huh. of platform for this. Yeah. Okay. Carry yeah. on. Carry on. And there's just... no Hulk Hogan at this point still. No. no. Not involved in this at all. And actually, that's where I'm going to stop it because that's going to okay. get us, that's going to set us up nicely for the brawl to end it all, which, spoiler uh, alert, okay. doesn't end it all. Well, no, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Hogan's kind of disappeared a bit, but don't worry, he's going to come in and again, he will crank it up to 11. But everyone else can do the work first. Well, I mean, duh. Yeah, mm-hmm. of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what have y'all gleaned? Uh, Andrew, okay. as our guest, you go first. So, I'm trying to think about like how to, I could explain this. There, the way the this type of like app, this is basically an advertisement mm-hmm. for the WWF at the time. Um, and it's really supposed to, from my perspective, it's supposed to like set a perception for their audience. This is what the WWF is about. It's about mm-hmm. this, this wildness, this nitty gritty type of like entertainment bombast and, bombast. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and it's complete and it's trying to present itself as like completely different than the past. Yes. We are not just. We're not just coming in, wrestling, and then leaving. We are creating this narrative. We are creating this story, but stuff that you you won't see. Mm-hmm. And it's really kind of like re reshaping this idea of like the like the traditionalist type of mindset in a lot of ways. What this makes me think about is this theory known as cultivation theory or the cultivation hypo- theory hypothesis which argues that like heavy media users or heavy TV viewers believe in stereotypes uh, that is ultimately distortion, stereotypes, distortions, and a selective view of reality. Or in other words, uh, heavy viewers of television will be more likely to hold uh, certain types of conceptions of the world consistent with that, what they've seen on TV. They're narrative and nurses. the reason why I'm bringing this up, yeah, yeah, the reason why I'm bringing this up is I'm feeling like this is kind of like the era where after they're seeing this stuff, the audiences are starting starting to see this stuff. We're starting to see more like backyard brawls and stuff like that. Uh, kids starting to imitate uh, these types of behaviors or certain types of expectations that are starting to emerge a lot more too about like what wrestling is about okay yeah they're starting to develop more of a stereotype towards wrestlers and that type of attitudes or when does the attitude era begin 97 so we're still almost 15 years out we're yeah yeah okay but it's starting to be the precursor there they're starting to dip their toes yeah, the groundwork well, so, is definitely being laid. Yeah. What we're seeing yeah. also is a nationalizing and therefore a crystallizing of it. So the local flair, the local perceptions, and the local prejudices are no longer being reinforced. Now, this broader 
I'm going to say cartoon because literally they had a cartoon too. Yeah. Um, type of wrestling is becoming what's known. When I first started watching yep. wrestling, I had friends who only watched WWF and I was watching AWA. AWA was a wildly different style than WWF. And it was so mm -hmm. much more cartoon, so much more over the top, so much more broad based, so much less violent. And then when I moved to Florida, I was a WWF fan and I got down there and they were NWA fans. And that was a very different kind of wrestling. And you're seeing and, this ebbing away at that. Yeah, exactly. Um, and there's a ton of other theories I can bring up, like framing mm -hmm. effects and stuff like that. But another big one I thought about is agenda setting. Now, mm -hmm. agenda setting basically argues that like it mostly focuses on news media. I disagree personally that it's just news media, but it's like any form of media, whether it's you sending a tweet all the way to like television shows, mm -hmm. but it's media indicates to the public what the main issue is of the day. And this is reflected in what the public perceives as the main issue. So what we're seeing kind of in a lot of ways is that uh, they're starting to form narratives around various topics. Like you began with like this feud beginning based around like a lot of sexism, mm -hmm. but also in the sense of like how uh, working with music tele MTV in a lot of ways to help promote their set themselves as well. Yep. Yep. Uh, so we're seeing that mishmash and starting to show like, hey, this type of entertainment is reshaping reality and you want to watch it. Mm -hmm. uh, and 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 also taking in various different types of topical issues. Um, I'm going to butcher it. I'm thinking like this is during the time of second wave or third wave feminism starting this, to merge as well. Too. This is second, second wave. Yeah. Second wave. Yeah. Yeah. Third third I, wave is not for a while yet. This is right around the time yeah. Handmaid's Tale comes out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, OK. Mm hmm. You know, the um, other thing is, uh, real quick, um, Cindy Lauper is very much a primary colored um, caricature of of a star, and music videos are themselves kayfabe. And oh yeah, so, yeah. and yeah. they're new kayfabe to people, right? Like, like there have been stuff that's been discussed. Uh, I've 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 heard and read before where music videos really changed how people took in media because we could cut between things exactly. and understand them still. And so you can yeah. have a reality and a hyper reality. Like I'm thinking of yeah. Madonna's Truth or Dare tour. When you watch that documentary, the the stuff on stage is in color, and the stuff behind the stage is the reality is black and white. Black which and is white. A damn shame because that's when she gets naked. But yeah, you know it's. Um, <laughs> but there's like there's this cutting that happens, and and music videos are inherently kayfabe. And what an easy blend. You've mm -hmm. got primary color, kayfabe, cartoonish stuff. Hell, half the, the, the videos were cartoons. I'm looking at you, aha. Um, yeah. So, you know, you, you've also got that going on, too, which is nice. Hey, hey, on me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so, like, they're setting up these agendas. They're setting mm -hmm. up, like, future directions in a lot of ways. And, and it's really for the purpose of, like, pulling in their audience, building it up. But I also think, like, in a lot of ways, like, Hogan, Hulk, uh, set that whole thing up. Yes. Uh, he, he's kind of that early adopter of the this type of, like, narrative structure and use of media to help promote themselves. Mm-hmm.
Yeah, and he's bigger than life. Oh yes, like, he the is. The whole the whole thing about him is that he's bigger than life. You know. Yeah. So cool. Uh, Ed, what have you gleaned? Uh, well, to to kind of piggyback on what you're talking about about you know hyper reality and 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 MTV. Um, it's also interesting how MTV changed the the medium of popular music. Mm-hmm. Uh, what immediately comes to mind thinking about that is uh, Billy Squire's career was destroyed That's by right. uh, the video the video that got made for his for his uh, song "Rock Me Tonight." Uh, you know he he was a an amazing guitarist. Mm-hmm. And and had a huge fan base and and was incredibly popular. And then he had this video that got made where like the director was a moron, <laughs> like you know didn't didn't understand who he was working with or did didn't understand like what it was you know he he had this he had this conception of of what he wanted to do. And he put Billy Squire through this process of of really looking like an idiot in this video, and it and it it destroyed his career, and so there was there was now this new layer of reality involved that had to be confronted, mm-hmm. you know, w- within within that medium, and then that bleeds over into the way that like generationally. Uh, and like like the way we encountered music was affected by that, you know. And so the relationship between that and the way we encountered the rest of the media was was changed, sure. you know. Um, and what I keep coming back around to is you wouldn't look at Hulk Hogan, Terry What's His Face. Yes, thank you. Because I the let yeah the last name I for whatever reason it just doesn't stick. But you wouldn't look at him and think that man is a fucking genius. But clearly he's really goddamn smart. Here's where I would point out that genius is a noun, and we should change it back to what it used to be, which is he has a genius. Uh, That's a good point. Um. Because Trump I, also has a genius. Has a genius. This and they're very true. similar geniuses. A stable genius. <laughs> yes. Very, very, See, very that's stable. That's why I say, say I have a genius, because <laughs> yes. then you can't get away with shit like that. Yeah, with, 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 with you know, all the best words. Right. Oh, what I would say which yeah. is an English, like, which is an English teacher, just like, oh, fuck. God <laughs> I would say that they both have a genius. Have a genius. genius. Yeah. Ooh. Well, well done, sir. Thank you. Um, but you know, clearly, um, you know, l- looking at all of this and looking at the way that Hulk Hogan, um, Terry has managed to <laughs> has has surfed mm-hmm. his way uh from wave to wave to wave over the course of all of this and managed to catch things mm-hmm. maybe not at the crest, maybe before the crest, maybe slightly after, but has managed to ride 
those waves yes mm-hmm. consistently and and keep himself in a position of uh relevance and in a position of i mean like the era that we're in right now is the is the absolute uh you know apex you know hottest point of his of his burning of his brilliance uh his flame is most lambent at this point mm-hmm. and just the way the way that he has managed to maneuver himself into that position it, like yeah he has he has some level of gift now i would or say figuring that out i would say and, the if that were if that were only if that were the only case um i would say hey cool but what we're going to find out in the next few episodes are yeah. that he in fact <laughs> rides that wave and then makes sure to pull all the water with him and leave the rest of everybody else literally high and dry. Okay. Um, he uses that time and again to hurt other people. To okay. To make sure that he's the only it's when I raised pigs, um, I saw this happen all the time. There's a feeder that's got two lids. They would both open up. One pig could stand here, one pig could stand here. They'd lift it up with their snout and they'd eat. One pig would stand here lift it up with his snout, and then turn his body to block the other one. That's more of what Hogan does. Wow. And we'll see why. We'll see how. Okay. All right. Does Just for my purposes, does he ever, does he fuck over Vince McMahon? Yes. yes. Thank God. Oh, I'm yes. looking forward to it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, like, like, if Vince McMahon has harmed in any way, I made it. Oh, I'm night. all about it. Like, all about yeah, it. Yes. Vince McMahon. Yeah, that's that's a that's another recurring theme. Like yeah, he fuck hurts Vince him, McMahon. Reagan, but sucks. it doesn't like, take. Damn. damn. Yeah. Fuck. Well, because yep. because okay, so so Hulk Hogan has a genius for for you know pulling all the water with him as he rides the wave. Mm-hmm. Vince McMahon is a cockroach. Yes, he cannot be killed. Yeah. Yep, very true. Like, very true. So, so. Uh, all right. So, what are you recommending for people this week, there, Ed? What am I recommending for people this week? I don't really have any recommendations this week, other than, um, yeah, I don't, I don't really have any recommendations this week. I got nothing. All right, Andrew, Andrew how sir, about you? As our guest. All yeah. right, so I'm going to give you guys a choice. Uh, should we go into um, conspiracy theories examples or into me- information warfare? Warfare. Choice? Awesome. Because that's um, going to fit what we're doing next time. Perfect. Perfect. So um, it, it's, 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 a, it's a great book. It's called Meme Warfare. Or, um, yeah. Uh, by John Joan Donovan. It is um it basically kind of talks about like how the media landscape has shifted in a lot of ways and how we basically or I'm sorry, hold on. I'm trying to remember the book name. I don't have it on me. <laughs> um Jesus Christ, what is wrong with me? Um well, here oh. I will. Recommend- oh, yeah, no, oh, meme wars. I'm sorry, meme yeah. wars, not meme warfare. It's basically talks about like how the use of memes have become more useful in the sense of spreading mis and disinformation, mm-hmm. but also talks about really how, um, what's his name, Steve Bannon, um, basically cap 
used uh, what was uh, known as Gamergate yep. to basically help shape uh, Trump's campaign mm-hmm. and using information warfare through the use of what we perceive as humorous memes to be- better like help with that campaign yeah, and soften how people like, up for accepting horrible shit. Yeah. Uh, it's a yeah. fucking nightmare of a book, but I love it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I'm going to recommend. I, think of it? Uh, I, just, I was thinking of a second book at the same time. Oh, do that for the but next go episode. On. Go on. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm going to recommend uh, Scott Beekman's Ringside, A History of Professional Wrestling in America. It is, I think, the best comprehensive Ooh. history of professional wrestling all the way up until the last chapter. Last chapter, I think, is kind of a throwaway. And part of the problem is that uh, it's harder to write the history of a thing that's ongoing at that moment. You know, you just don't have enough time yeah. away. But the first several chapters, all the, all but the last chapter, are phenomenal uh, history of professional wrestling. So I strongly recommend that. I recommended it about 200 plus episodes ago, but it's time to re-recommend it. <laughs> oh, boy. It. I vaguely oh. remember. Yeah. 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 So I haven't all right, gone that um, far. Ed, do you want to be found anytime soon? I do not, sir. Okay. Uh I'll I'll go ahead and tell people where to find me. Uh by the time this airs, the July 7th show has probably already happened in Sacramento of Capital Punishment. So you're probably gonna be looking at the August 4th show of Capital Punishment in Sacramento at Luna's. Bring ten dollars plus merch. Uh, or plus money for merch. I strongly recommend that you bring a mask because even if it was endemic, which it's not, uh, it's still killing people. So um, do your part if you can. Um, so yeah, uh, that's that's where you can find me. Luna's at 8 p.m. on August 4th um, in Sacramento. Uh, Andrew, where can people find you if you want to be found? Yeah, I want to be found because I crave attention. Um, uh, you can find me at TikTok at podcast. No, not at all. <laughs> uh, you can find me on TikTok at prof.suds, or you can follow me on Twitter at prof underscore suds. Um, if you somehow find my Instagram, that's cool too. I think mine is at ad suds. Uh, so thank you. Cool. Well, uh, it is, as always, a pleasure, and we look forward to having you for the next installment of this when we get to yes. the brawl to end it all. Very um, much forward the, to it. Yeah, uh, and uh, and probably several episodes thereafter, because this thing just exploded. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Oh, oh I'm, uh, right. I'm going to be putting this on my CV, so you're just he- helping me make it longer. <laughs> all right, yeah, let's go. pad good, that good. shit. All right. Uh, cool. Well, for thanks again for being with us, uh, Andrew Sutherland. For Geek History of Time, I'm uh, Damien the Weasel Harmony. And I'm Ed Grumpy Face Blaylock. Uh, until next time, keep rolling 20s.